Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is the 12th of July, 2021, and this is episode 324. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll see if there's a draft in here and if there's anything we can do about it. We'll also look back at a couple days at the park. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It is time for the drink of the week. Scotty, what are you imbibing upon this evening? Uh, Jake, we have a late evening ahead of us. We are knocking out this podcast, and uh, we are getting ready for the bevies. Excuse me? The bevies! Spoiler alert. I know. What is this, the 7th, 9th, 13th annual? This is nine. Nine? Nine. Nine times? Nine times. I am sorry to all of you out there, especially Derek Arnold. <laughs> But uh, Derek is the OG at this point. Uh, Derek is the OG, and uh, I specifically sing for Derek Arnold just to uh, <laughs> cause him misery and woe. Um, so I'm drinking just a Coca-Cola with caffeine because I'm going to be heavily caffeinated as we are recording into the late night hours tonight um, and probably into the wee hours of the morning, um, knowing how we're, we're going to line up tonight. After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. Uh, I am drinking... Okay. <laughs> Oh, so we're doing dogs after dark. <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking uh, in honor of my little brother, Jamie. He uh, went to Montana and uh, brought me back a moose drool, mm. uh, brown ale. I've never had it. I'm terrified of it. So we're just going to we're gonna do a first reaction right here. Okay. So your brother went to Montana and came across something from a moose knuckle called moose drool. Okay. This is a brown ale. Okay. It's called moose drool. Yep. And I'm going to say it's not awful. Okay. I mean, I would not seek this out on purpose. Good carbonation? It's wet. Okay. It's wet. Now, you are you a big brown ale fan, I guess is my question. I'm not. Okay, that's why I thought, that you're you're more of a, a hop aficionado as opposed to a malt aficionado. It's true. But it's all right. It's good. Okay, for a dark beer, yeah. it gets your seal approval. Yeah. Because you're not a, a dark beer aficionado. Um, you like them, you know, blonde, blue-eyed. Um my, I like my beer, beer to be very Aryan. Absolutely. If you'd like to see what... <laughs> it's the perfect beer. <laughs> if you'd like to see what we're drinking on a weekly basis, go ahead and follow us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E 4025 I'm at MAG at 8606. And with that, I think it's time for a checkup. All right, yeah. So uh, some some news since uh, we we last spoke. Um, I, I think we've got to you know talk about a few things that kind of have popped up. Um, Brian Mountcastle um, got injured on Sunday. Uh, that doesn't look like it's that big of a deal. Um, looks like it was more precautionary. Looks like he'll probably be back after the All Star break. Um, it was a contusion, maybe a day or two missed, um, but overall, um, you know, not, not a big deal. Um, John Means is making rehab starts. Sounds like he's really excited. I know you, I believe, went to one of the games. We're going to talk about it later. Um, Michael Franco, you know, you know, going to be out again until after the All-Star break. Um, but 
Jake, in bigger news, Travis Slacken's out for the season. What? How will we ever recover? Uh, I, I I don't know. Um, but yeah, Travis Slacken Sr., um, we will just have to wait for Junior to get here. Junior? Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the kind of the big news. Do we Have we talked about the whole Freddie Galvez situation? I know it's been like two weeks uh, since we last talked. I, I don't even know who you are. I didn't know how to get here. Okay, so it's this is just a foreign land to you. Absolutely. Tell me all about Freddie Galvez. I, I, I think it's, you know, we've talked, maybe talked about this before, but again, uh, I think it's been a really interesting scenario seeing uh, the Orioles kind of pick people out of um, – you know, the air, as it were, to basically fill in for Freddie Galvis. Um, and I, I think we'll get into a little bit later, um, but it certainly leaves a massive hole um, in the infield that was already a massive hole as it is. Um, and I, I think we are seeing some oddities um, with like Ryan McKenna coming in to play infield at the end of uh, Sunday night, Sunday's game. Um, I think we're going to continue to see weirdness like that about we know why ryan mckenna came in to play second base why do you play second base because there's about to be a log jam in the outfield within the organization uh, there is going to be a log jam of he's outfielders trying allegedly. to get out of the way he's he just knows that i better find a position and heck i heard from steve pierce that second base isn't that hard that's right <laughs> if if matt weeders can play it in practice i can play it in the 10th inning absolutely uh so uh, i think that's about it for the injury report looks like we're going to get a few players back um after the all-star break you know hunter harvey is still going to be out until sometime in august the rehab starts are you know haven't really come along as well um but it's great to see john means uh doing so well um and it looks like he is going to be back after the all-star break kind of like we predicted honestly um i know the orioles are a little bit more bullish and saying you know he might be back quick quicker but it makes no sense to do that. Right. Um, right. That, that's our one, by the way. That's our one time being right this season. So just mark it up. A- absolutely. But it will be such a relief to see John Means coming out there every five days pitching. Um, so at least we can watch one game in a week as opposed to um, trying to bury our head in the sand like the ostriches that we are. Um, let's talk about uh, this week on the Twitters. Let's do it in 280 characters or less. Uh, so, Jake, why don't you kick us off? Well, I, I want to start with one of the best tweets that I can think of. This comes from the Baltimore Orioles. They tweet at Orioles. This was earlier today. Let's go! It reads, the best AL outfielder of the first half will start the All-Star game. This, is, of course, is about Cedric Mullins being named the injury replacement starter for Mike Trout and will start Play second or play second base. Play center field and bat ninth for your AL All Star. First of all, um, no individual under the age of thirty eight would ever read that tweet such as that. Well, appropriate. But to say uh, the proper way, it's not LFG. All right, that's true. It's not LFG. The proper way to go about doing this is let's go. That's the way you're supposed to do it. Yeah, but I've had I've headphones in. You do have headphones in. That's why I slightly turned away from the microphone and then came back in. I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, Cedric Mullins. It's great. Starting center fielder. It's great. It's great. Should he be ninth in the lineup, though? Oh, I don't care. Okay. You I, don't care. I legitimately do not care. What that. if they pull him out of the lineup before he gets a bat in a bat? Mm. That that would be unfortunate. <laughs> that would be unfortunate. I don't expect it to happen, but that would be. Is that because Cedo Gaston passed away? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> You know, as as a you know, as an injury replacement, uh, as a guy who wasn't voted in, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine. I, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, there are some other individuals that are in there as well. 
that um, you know I don't think they need to be as high as they are, but I'm okay with it. Let's just let's move on from it. I just love the fact that you're trying to start stuff. Of course I am, especially against Cito Gaston, who's been dead for several years now. Uh, next week comes from Suspetta's Family Barbecue. Uh, you can follow them at Suspetta's Barbecue. Uh, a long sit-down chat with number one prospect in the minors, the future of the Baltimore Orioles, Rutschman Adley. Uh, you know the guys talk to uh, Adley Rutschman about obviously um, some of his times doing field goal kicking, both in high school and with Oregon State. Um, how he is a terrible texter, just like me and Jake. Um, and, uh, you know, just some Homewood Eats uh, within Sherwood, Oregon. Um, yeah, good kind of, um, you know, interview, kind of getting a, a feel for the personality that is going to be Adley Rutschman. Um, definitely get a bro vibe. I was excited about Adley Rutschman going to the, the Futures game. You know, he was talked about highly. Yep. You know, it, it was a, a reason for the organization to be proud. You know, people are interested in him and his development. You know, it's not just because Jake Mintz is an Orioles fan yep. that, that uh, you know, a baseball property like uh, Suspetta's Family Barbecue uh, w- was interested in him. It's legitimately exciting to me to see the baseball world paying attention to, you know, our next big thing. Absolutely. I also find it amazing that he has a haircut exactly the same as your son. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not sure who that says good or bad things about. I don't think it says good things about either one, honestly, but um, it, it is what it is. I saw a great tweet. Okay. I wanted to talk about it. Yep. It's nested in a longer tweet thread I don't really want to get into. Okay. But this is this comes from uh, JT, uh, the, of course, Godzilla at yeah. Godzilla. Um, it, it, talking about the playoff um, format, he says, I'm a big advocate for eliminated wins. This is a concept where once your team is statistically eliminated from playoff contention, you accumulate those eliminated wins and the highest uh, eliminated wins pick first. So mm. you get eliminated from the playoffs. Right. Right. Then you go into the pool of people who can pick first. Right. And the more games you win, the better. So it, it, it improves competition. Okay. But it still is is uh, rewarding, you know, the, the people that, that aren't winning first. I like this idea a lot. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, it's something that I, I hadn't seen before until JT posted it. Honestly, yeah. I, I'm actually thinking about maybe proposing it to our wife. We have both been eliminated from marital relationships. Um, so maybe we can just do this EW thing so we can you know bank our wins for future uh, indications. I'm I, I'm already in trouble. <laughs> and st- I didn't say You're anything. still relegated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else that we need to talk about this week on the Twitters? All um, right. There- there was a tweet. Okay. And and it, it came out, and I just feel like we have to address it. Okay. Of all the big stories going on uh, today. All right. In baseball, in Birdland, this is the one that, that grabbed my attention. I felt like it required a response. Okay. This is a tweet that comes from Brian M., who tweets at Bryski715. The Bryski. He tweets as follows. O's drafted a kid named Creed. Will he take us higher? Oh, I am. I'm so uncomfortable with this tweet on so many levels. But you like it deep down in your heart. That's the part. That and I just can't say. Scott, please. Derek is listening. That's the part that makes me uncomfortable. It's a solid joke. Listen, I am apologetic that, um, you know, I sang Creed and potentially Nickelback incorrectly. Um, and Derek Arnold, the individual that actually likes both those bands still, um, was deeply offended. So, Derek, I apologize. Well, let's let's take this conversation higher. We've started talking about the draft. Let's take a quick break, come back, 
And um, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do some gloating. Scott, you nailed the Orioles' number one pick prediction. Even Travis Latkins pitches a clean inning. <laughs> no, you you at least not anymore. <laughs> you uh, you called this uh, earlier yesterday, and um, that ended up being what happened. And so I'd like now that you already look brilliant, I'd like you to you know walk us through exactly what made you think that the Orioles were going to use their uh, number five draft pick on Colton Kowser. Uh Yeah, so um, I have this game. It's called Yahtzee. And what I did was I put all the draft names onto it, and then I shook it out, and then Kowser, or Kowser came up the most amount of times. See, I can't even pronounce his name right. And that's what I went with. I was just like, hey, that's got to be the guy. When you started speaking, I thought you were going for Ouija. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I understand that Ouija is the Baltimore game of choice since it was invented in Baltimore. Um, but no, I, I just went with Yahtzee instead. All right, so this is this is an uh, you know assignability. Let's go bank some money for for later on in the draft situation. Um, and again, it makes sense. I mean, if you read between the tea leaves and stuff like that of what the Orioles were putting out there, um, they they were definitely interested in um, a few other players. But uh, Kowser made a ton of sense of you know maybe being a little underslot. I think John Shepard actually made some really good points about this earlier today, um, where you know. Kowser was expected to be 9, 10. So, I mean, you're saving, I think, I think what has he mentioned, about a half a million dollars. I think upwards of a million dollars if the Orioles came to an agreement beforehand, which I think they did. Um, you don't make this pick without having an agreement. Right, exactly. So, I think it's going to be in that similar ballpark of, you know, you know, 700,000, you know, plus is the best way to put it. Um, so, I mean, it's it's definitely not the underslot pick as of last year with, like, Kerstad, where you saved... And came out to be like two point two million dollars, um, and you were able to get a lot fancier. This will give the ability to do a few additional things later in the draft. You know, I will point out that I said that they would overslot at forty one and sixty five, which in reality they didn't do. Um, but it does look like they may have overslotted in later rounds with the uh, draft now going back to twenty rounds. Um, I think it just gives them the greater flexibility to sign all their draft picks um, as opposed to. 16 15 um and just constantly push more prospects into the into the talent pool you know we, we talked about this uh zach wilt and i when you were uh you were too well to attend absolutely and we uh we talked about you know where the orioles were drafting and whether or not that really mattered I, you know i think up high like the orioles are you're gonna get a good player right you're gonna get a good ball player you're gonna get a good lottery ticket uh, I'm not sure there was anybody in this draft that was like, oh, my God, if the Orioles pass on this guy, they're idiots, right? Y- you look at Rocker, right? Yep. A lot of people are excited about. But there are some concerns, you know, w- particularly with the fact that the velocity di- didn't develop um, the way the way that some some had thought that it would. And Vanderbilt literally used and abused their right. pitchers for multiple years now through the College World Series. But, but you look and you say, you know, is there a player that the Orioles, you know, failed to go out and get and instead took Kowser that we should be upset about. I, I would argue probably not. I, I don't think there was anybody 
at that position that I feel you know terrible about. I think if there was one player I probably would have gone out and got would have been lighter. Um, but again, he was already taken off the board at that point. Um, but if lighter was available at five, I probably would have rolled the dice and been like, he could bust or he could be an ace. Um, and that's a, that's a, that's a gamble that I would be willing to take any day of the week. Um, but rocker rocker never struck me as like being like, like I said, he's going to be a good pl- p- pitcher and he's going to be a good player, but there's a lot of risk and reward for it. And again, as the you know tweet that I put out there earlier later today of was, um, he was looking for six million dollars, which was way more than um, you know the five million that the Orioles had as their slot pick, which means the Orioles would have had to pull additional money from other slots, and means that they're not going to be able to sign all their draft picks. It just doesn't line up with the strategy um, that the Orioles want to do, and it's one of the reasons why he fell to later in the draft as well. Are you saying that philosophically they wouldn't participate? Uh, we're not going to talk about that. I am. We, we talked about that when it actually happened on this podcast and how upset I was. Um, again, uh, you know, folks have talked about this. Matt Kremitzer has done a great job talking about this. You can either agree or disagree with the whole strategy of underslotting versus overslotting. Um, ultimately it's the MLB draft. It's somewhat of a crapshoot. You've got to rely on the scouting. Um, this one doesn't really bother me is the best way to go. I'm not super excited about it. I'm not super depressed about it. Um, I think the more interesting standpoint is, and we'll get into this next, is um, how the Orioles continue to go to college bats as opposed to high school prospects um, as they further progress in the draft and what that does that mean. So I want to get there in a second. Yeah. One last thing I'll say is that there was no slam dunk here for the Orioles, right? There There was no Adley Rutschman waiting to be drafted. We got a player... Who may be who may be a good major league baseball player? Yep. We don't know, right? We'll we'll see someday. But there was nobody that was going to be the cornerstone for our franchise, no. and we screwed up. No, like I said, lighter would be the only one that I'd be like, could be maybe, right? But not something I'd be like, absolutely. I'm more interested in this draft to find out not who's the Adley Rutschman, who's the Gunnar Henderson, right? Correct. With the with the remaining draft picks after the first round. Yep. What are they going to do to substantially impact the talent of the organization or hopefully, hopefully yep. continue to funnel talent in the organization and keep that flowing so that it's not so thin as it had been previously? Again, we just have to wait and see. That's the thing that sucks about the MLB draft. Correct. You can either like it or not. You can either trust the process. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Trust uh, uh, the Elias regime or not. But this is the way they went, and I and I can't poke holes in it and say they screwed up. Correct. Yeah, not at this point is the best way to put it. Um, and again, looking through the videos, looking through the scouting, again, we are not scouts. We're not analysts. There's nothing that is obviously like, well, that's a reach, or why did they do that? And there have been plenty of times in the past where we have looked at a pick and been like, really? Like, that's who you went with? Like, there's nothing here that screams to me. Really? Like, I can understand all these moves. Whether, you know, they work out or not, I understand it from a logic standpoint. And that's all I can ask for. The, the one thing that I will say anecdotally is that it, it's surprising to me how few pitchers have mm-hmm. been taken in high rounds by Elias. Um, and I wonder if that is a statement about the talent that's available. Yep. 
or a statement about the talent that is available in the mid-level of our farm system right now. Mm-hmm. Or if it's an if it's a strategy of, you know, we're going to buy some arms once we're ready because that's the thing that's the hardest to develop as quickly. It's possible. I mean, I think um, we haven't really seen um, pitchers be willing to come to Camden Yards for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to continue on, uh, both for being Camden Yards, but also coming into the American League East. Um, but I also think, too, if we look at the Orioles you know, farm systems we talk about, it is very pitcher heavy. Um, we do have Adley Rutschman. Um, we do have Gunnar Henderson. But past that, I've been talking about it for for some time now of like, if you're looking at how this team eventually gets to being a 20 to 25 uh, F war offensive team, it's tougher for me to see. Um, And it's interesting that the Orioles continue to kind of go about getting these college bats to have some really interesting uh, statistical uh, data to them and also really good modeling number. I mean, uh, Colton Kalser, uh, through all reports, basically came out and was um, a top three pick in a lot of folks modeling um, based off of things like exit velocity, um, batter uh, plate discipline, um, you know, just just looking at you know various things. So if you think about the changes that have been made in the minor league organization at the developmental camps of you know some of the bat sensors that have been put on at the minor leagues, um, it makes a lot of sense where the Orioles feel like. Um, that's where they can gain the most value. Um, and you think back to, you know, five to six years ago, there's always this arms race of what kind of data can we collect that can usurp or be better than anybody else in the industry? So my opinion on this is um, if the Orioles are investing that much money into gathering data and equipping all their batters with it and stuff like that, they obviously think they have something that they can leverage. Whether they're right or wrong, sure. They think they have something that they can leverage and they're going to do so um with college bats uh accordingly. So they, they I, may. I, I am worried about that aspect from the pitcher standpoint, but I do think it makes sense with the strategies they're putting out there. They may also have identified college programs that know what they're doing for developing hitting. Correct. Right. And and so they may be able to look at a guy like Kowser and say, We know enough about what that program does yep. to be able to know that we can work with what they've given us. Yeah. Um, and I think, I'm not sure if it was, um, I can't, I, I don't want to mis, misdo this, but. Um, when has that stopped us before? Oh, I can't remember who it was now. Um, but they basically said that um, the scout that drafted Kalser or basically watched Kalser also was the one that was watching Henderson. Um, so it is an individual that, you know, does have previous experience in this basis. So again, um, I really like the Kalser pick in regards to being one of the best hitters um, right up there against Davis. Um, even Connor Norby, who... Chris Davis? Yes, Chris Davis, of course. Even Connor Norby, you know, had some major accolades. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more concerned about Norby being five foot ten and 187 pounds. Um, but, you know, we move on past that, especially since he, if he can actually just play the infield and play second base. Um, I, I'm less concerned, but it's Brian Roberts waiting to happen right there. Um, l- let's not go that far. But again, um, I, I do think it's interesting. And like you said, a lot of outfielders. I mean, the first five picks by the Orioles this year were outfielders, and then you had Connor Norby in that second pick at five foot ten and 187 pounds. So 
the Orioles are still going, you know, best talent out there. Um, they are supplementing it with additional outfielders. Um, and, you know, some of these also, I think John Rhodes is um, a very plus-plus defender. I think it was a 70 uh, grade for both arm and fielding. Um, so the Orioles are definitely uh, going forward uh, with, you know, outfield depth. And it does raise the question of, like, if certain players don't work out in the near future, are they on the trade block? Is an Anthony Santander going to be on the trade block sooner rather than later because of this? Um, you know, with Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins, you know, do you need both? Do you trade one? Well, the other thing that I think about is, you know, we, we talked about, oh, well, maybe the Orioles organizationally are going to, you know, buy arms because they're not drafting them. At the same time, if they're drafting all of these qualified outfield prospects sure you can always trade them you can always trade them yeah and, and the orioles might be able to take advantage of the things that other teams have taken advantage of you don't know right look look at what we what, got that's back. what people always say is draft the best person you'll eventually be able to trade them if necessary right. you gotta, if you have a problem it's easily solved but yeah. look at what we got back for manny right yeah. look what we got got back for any of the the players that we traded off they're unknowns but you get a known back right so it's it's not a terrible thing to have yeah, so I, I agree with you. Um, it's something to watch as we go further through the rounds. I do think that there'll be more pitchers taken in rounds 10 through uh, 11 through 20. Um, but that being said. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When has ever a pitcher from the 11th round made it to the major true. leagues in a meaningful fashion? That's a good point. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think we'll see some more pitchers. Um, but I, I do think there is this basis where, um, you know, the Orioles, in essence, think. Hey, we got to do something. And it's interesting to me that they continue to go to college bats as opposed to high school bats, too, um, both in terms of the metrics, both in terms of, you know, knowing the development systems that are going on at the colleges. And also, these guys are going to be ready in two years. So they're going to be ready in 2023. Um, oh, is something happening in 2023? Nothing has to happen in 2023. Let's just get that straight. Nothing has to happen. But. There's a lot of stuff lining up for 2023 and 2024 with Adia Hall, Grayson Rodriguez, and Adley Rutschman, where it makes sense where you would want to stack the deck and kind of go all in. And I'm not saying the Orioles are doing that. If this turns into a Duquette damn the torpedoes situation. This is not a this is not a a a a, a, a damn the torpedoes, not even the other aspect. It's a damn the torpedoes. Uh, it's not even that. But I do think that it's maybe a little bit more uh, stacking the deck uh, more favorable in your conditions. You want to call this episode Dan the Torpedoes now, don't you? <laughs> I love that you can see that look in my eyes. Yes. Episode 324 just got named Dan the Torpedoes. Um, yeah. I, I, now you I, folks understand the note taking that we take to make these episodes. Like nothing ever is like done ahead of time or anything like that. We're just talking and we're just like, you know what would be a good idea? That would be a good name for an episode title. People are like, wow, these guys are like potentially witty and they think about this. No, we just do this on the fly. So Damn the man. curtain has been pulled back. Uh, I don't even remember. This what is going to be a short episode, by the way. I was just going to mind you. <laughs> um, the draft. Yes. We were talking about the draft. <laughs> and we were talking about 2023. Are you just matching Dan Duquette as a torpedo right now? <laughs> It'll be interesting. To do you s- think it would be a blue torpedo? No. Okay. No, I don't. Uh, never again. <laughs> Never again. Uh, do you think the Canadians would use it? It will be cold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's, it's interesting to see, you know, what will be available when. Um, and, you know, as you've indicated, 
you know, maybe the college is about the fact that they're trying to accelerate the rebuild as much as possible. It used to be, you know, that you wanted to get high school players so that you could be sure that you oh, were absolutely. in charge of their development. Yep. Right. Uh, but I think that that really speaks to where the Orioles are. Uh, it's not, you know, the reeking of desperation by any stretch of the imagination, but where we are. There's enough good pieces. And that's the whole point is like, if it was a matter where you didn't have enough good pieces right now where you're like, all right, we're in still significant rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Orioles might have gone for one of the high school shortstops. Um, but having, you know, the top pitching prospect in baseball right now, Dio Hall right behind him, Adley Rutschman, you have three pieces right there where you're saying, if we can go get two or three more pieces, we're done. How how are you ignoring the Messiah of baseball, Jemai Jones? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm glad to see that Jermaine Jones now has become the running gag of like, well, you know, Ryan McKenna got to second base before Jermaine Jones got to second base. Like, that's the kind of, you know, Orioles Twitter content that I'm glad to see. Don't give me. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see him in Baltimore, but I'm almost enjoying this more. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, and like I said, let's not knock Jermaine Jones. Like, again, I'm not expecting big things from Jermaine Jones. But again, if he can be a above average second baseman one two war awesome like that's great i'm sorry i've I've totally let this conversation uh wander it's my fault i got off topic let's go back to talking about how smart you are no not at all (laughs) for being able to call this correctly no scott magnus you no you did this i I did nothing here this was a sheer luck this is the first time in uh almost 10 years that we actually got something right as a prediction um you know let's just mark this day and move on past it but you know, overall, after 10 rounds and again, it's impossible to tell with the MLB draft. I am perfectly fine on where the Orioles sit after day two. We'll have to see if they sign everybody. Uh, but I have no major concerns at this given point. No I, major concerns. I have a high degree. I have quiet confidence that they're going to sign these guys. I have quiet confidence as well. Like I said, I think if you want to look for fall, maybe a pitcher or two else would have been nice, but um, I think that's a minor, minor detail. So anything else you want to talk about in the draft? Because like I said, there really isn't anything else we know. No, especially me. All right. Uh, Well, maybe we can actually talk about real baseball uh, and and talk a little bit about some of our experiences at the ballpark as of recently. Um, And uh, we'll be right back. Scotty, you and I have seen a little live baseball lately. Yeah. Uh, not, not together. We not, need to get on that. Yeah, we haven't gone together uh, in a while. My son was actually talking about going with your son. Uh, and I said, well, we could just drop you off two in the stadium and you guys can go in. And, you know, me and Jacob will we'll, be over at Pickles. We'll grab you some beers and it'll be yeah, fine. Uh, no issues. But, yeah, we have uh, partaken in uh, some baseball. I've been to Oriole Park, I think, maybe three times since I last saw you. Um Getting a feel for it. Got to actually attend some games without a mask on for the first time. Nice, nice. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. How about you? Where where you been going lately? We we went to Aberdeen uh, this this past week or, or last week, I guess. We went to uh, Aberdeen on the on the third of July uh, with some family. I had great seats. It was a it was a great game. The Ironbirds actually stormed back and, and won. 
you know, excitingly and decisively in the ninth inning. It was a come from behind win and it was a lot of fun to watch. The The game was, was it was interesting because this was the first high level A game that I'd seen at Aberdeen and the the quality of play was just so much higher than the the Penn League, the, the New York Penn League. Um, but we were, we were there in the third, watched the game. It was a great game. Had a good time. Fireworks afterwards. Uh, after the fireworks was over, and I had missed this somehow, or maybe it was new, uh, they came over the loudspeaker and announced that uh, John Means would be doing his rehab assignment at Aberdeen the next day. Next day. The, the 4th of July. So my kid... Locked eyes with me. And he said, Dad? <laughs> dad, 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 Dad. So, and you, as the father that you are, were just like, Honey? <laughs> it was a lot like that. Yeah. It was a lot like that. <laughs> Can we go to a baseball game back to back? Before we had left the parking lot. I said, As long as it's a single mission doubleheader. <laughs> Before we left the parking lot, we had tickets for the, the, the next game. It was actually super fun. Henry and I very smart for for the Ironbirds to make that announcement. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. sure they sold a ton of tickets. Um, Henry and I went back the next day. It was great. We sat uh, super close to the field. I mean, j- you know, we could spit at the players; they wouldn't have preferred it that way. Uh, he and I scored the game, which was great. Nice. Um, we had ice cream. Uh, real ice cream or Dippin' Dots? Real ice cream. Okay. I'm not. I'm not a monster. You, you're Scott. not a man of the future. No. No. Uh, but it, it was great. It was great. And the, the nice thing was, is that, uh, you know, we were there in the section surrounded by other people that were there. You know, some were, were local Ironbirds fans there to, to see their Ironbirds. Some were there to see specifically John Means. And it was really like I was really impressed by how much community there was. There was strangers talking to strangers about the game and, and you know, how how good it was to see Means and that thing. Means looked great. I mean, he did give up a home run to some uh, guy named Ritter who I'd never heard of. Yeah. Uh, but he he struck out um, two in the first inning and and outside of that one. Command guy, was there. Yeah. Velocity was there. Exactly. Everything that you wanted to see. And the thing about a, a tune-up, you know, rehab assignment, you don't know if he's pitching or if he's working on something. Correct. Right? So he might not have thrown the pitch that went over the fence, you know, in that yeah. situation. He just wanted to get it game. into a certain location. Right, right. He, he looked like John Means. It was great. Uh, the velocity was there. Everything was there. And, you know, we got to see him right up close. It was it was a marvelous game. Uh, Henry and I had a great time. So, you know, guys, if, you know, listeners, if you are close enough to, to get to Lido's Field at Ripken Stadium, uh, go and do it. And if somebody's there for a rehab assignment, doubly go do it. It's a great way uh, to see those players up close. Um, and again, as opposed to how it was a couple of years ago, the baseball is a much better quality. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly right. So, I mean, you can go see some really good baseball being played right now at Aberdeen and Bowie as well. Um, and again, tickets are cheap, honestly. I mean, we're talking, what, $12, $14 for most tickets, um, give or take. Um, so a good opportunity to get there, free parking, um, at both those locations. I know that personally, um, but yeah, some really good baseball. I mean, I went to a few Orioles games. Um, so you did not see as high caliber. No, no, I did not see high caliber games. Um, and it's, it's interesting of, you know, watching it because obviously it's dark ages baseball that you're watching. Um, it just seems it's odd. It's like it's not quite like Dark Ages baseball. Um, is the best way to put it. So when I'm watching these games, uh, me as the older thirty year old now is looking at the other twenty year olds having a good time, 
And I'm like, you'll be there in 10 or 14 years. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, I, and it just might be a little bit of COVID fatigue. Um, you know, looking at the park where you've only got, you know, 10,000, 11,000. I'm like, that's the way it was beforehand. Like, I'm not surprised that it's that case. But I don't know. Just something's off. Um, and I think it's probably just pl- play on the field more than anything else. Um, and it might just be also that I can't bring my Wawa sandwiches in still. Um, I think it's really killing the buzz for me not to be able to bring a water or Gatorade into the park and have to pop into concession stands. And I tell you what, like those concession people are being worked to the bone more so than ever. Um, because I'm guess Delaware North is doing great business, but I tell you what, it is a madhouse in there with 10 or 11,000 people. I can't imagine a full stadium, um, in, in that same predicament. I just can't. Yeah, no, they've, they've, got to go back to allowing outside food it's it's just dumb it's just dumb and it's it's as basis of for as many years as they pitched it as saying it's a cost-effective manner for a family of four to come into the ballpark there is not that ability anymore and like when i took my son like i'm like well we can go get a hot dog and we can share a soda and he says like why do we have to share a soda and i'm like it's like seven bucks for a soda. Like I don't really want to buy you a seven dollar soda. Like you can drink out of a out of a straw with your old man. It's okay. But again, in order to be competitive to get forty six thousand people into those seats, it needs to not only get the season ticket holders. It needs to be comparable to three hours worth of entertainment against you know the movies and you know whatever else is available in the local area. Yeah, I mean the fact that you know. That game with the Hawaiian shirt wasn't like a massive like thirty thousand fan game. Um, is unnerving. Uh, I'll be very interesting to see what happens when the Jim Palmer bobblehead gets given away. I don't. I don't think that competes with the Hawaiian shirt. I, I. I think it's going to be a little less than the Hawaiian shirt, which again is like guys. Like if you can't get bobblehead games to come close to selling out, we got an issue here. Well, I mean, they they've made that bed, and you know, I'm I'm comfortable with it. They they are in full tank mode. We know what this team is, yep. right? But the the thing that, that I find interesting is that you know, going back to what you said earlier about the twenty somethings having fun, you know, in two thousand seven, two thousand nine, yep, right. We we didn't know when things were ever going to end. We we right? never we, knew. We, uh, we had no hope. We had no hope that that th- things were going to get better, and we. We had plenty of good times at that ballpark. We had plenty of good times, but I also wonder, too, if it is an age thing. Like, we had a good time because we were in our 20s. I'm not sure if I would be in that same aspect as it is, like, in my 40s or 50s. <laughs> so I wonder if there is a little bit of a, a bias in our head in that given regard. Um, maybe not. Like I said, I still think it's fun when we go and we're just shooting and just talking about, you know, various aspects. Um, final topic on this one so we can move on and kind of start to close out this show um jake i think you talked about this last time you were at the at canyon yards and i noticed as well um the music selection is really weird right now oh that's because you're old (laughs) no that that's not quite right like i'm listening to the music and i'm like this is from the late 90s this is from the early 2000s it's kind of got like a rock vibe and like a metal vibe and occasionally and i'm like where's my 1960s and 70s music like you're old. I'm not old. I recognize the music. It's just not ballpark music. I want my ballpark music. The changes happen, Scott. 
You got to go with the times. So um, let me talk to you about this classic rock band that I heard on. I think it was what's 100.7 is the wave. Uh, this is classic rock band that I heard. Uh, it's called Nirvana. Uh, have you heard of it? Dude. So <laughs> Have I triggered you here? You've triggered me. <laughs> so my, I, I used to have a problem with hearing Nirvana on the classic rock station, but my kid is 10, right? Uh, my kid has a drum set. His neighborhood friends want to start a band, and because my kid has the drum set, it's happening in my basement. Yeah. Um, and that noise is is un you don't recover from being in the same house yeah. as all that. But it's funny because the boys are super, super into this band that they've discovered yeah. called Nirvana. Yep. And they're like, No, you don't get it. I was like, No, you, you don't, don't get it. it. Yeah. When I was ten, Nirvana was out. Yep. So uh, uh your your son had a conversation with my wife coming back from baseball practice, uh, pulling the same routine, uh, where he's just like, hey, have you heard about this band called Nirvana? And my wife's just like, yeah, I've heard of the band Nirvana. She's And she starts listing off songs. And she's and your son's just like, yeah, you're into it, aren't you? And he's like, did you know they did a lot of like bad things, like drugs and stuff like that? And she's like, yeah, I'm aware of that as well. And then she's like, do you know what happened to the lead singer? Oh, jeez. And, 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 and my wife says, why don't you enlighten me? And she's like, well, he did. And he t- probably tells it all while the three-year-old is sitting in the car. He's And my wife says, maybe we should talk about this during adult time. <laughs> so this is why your son said- is an expert in 1990s classic rock. Okay. No, my son is an expert in all things. <laughs> just ask him. But this, this is why there's been a shift. This is why there's been a uh, shift to the ballpark because that's the oldies now, Scott. Oh, that's the oldies. Uh, look, I'm I'm okay with it. Like I said, I don't mind uh, the aspect that we're calling this the oldies. That doesn't bother me anymore. Um, the fact of the matter is, I think Dave Matthews Band deserves to be played on the oldies station. Um, you know, I, I believe that Creed deserves to be played on the oldies <laughs> station. Um, but the fact of the matter is, it's still not baseball music. Like it's not stadium music. I, I'm just I'm just gonna point out the like iron- I said, if you want to play some Chumbawamba, I'm good with that. <laughs> I'd like to point out the irony, yeah, of you having the problem with absolutely with, with more not even modern, more modern music, more modern being played at the ballpark, and I'm the one defending that position. I, again, I think it is a basis of it's not just the more modern; it's the type of music. Right. So there are um, certain music that I still consider that would be a better choice um, while playing it. So, like, um, you know, if their relief pitcher is coming off the mound. I think you play bye 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 and stuff like that. Like you got to mix it up a little bit, and not do like metal grunge. So in you my would opinion. prefer more pop? Oh, absolutely. Nineties right. is all about the pop. Like late nineties is all about the pop. Like early nineties, sure, absolutely. Well, like you know, this is the worst tangent ever, listeners. I apologize in advance. If you've got a, like an outfielder going back and they make uh, a terrible like play and they like get injured, you play Torn by Natalie Imbruglia because they just tore their ACL. <laughs> my my little brothers came up to the house yeah. uh, yesterday. My my brothers are tw- 22 and 20 by the way. They they came over to the house. The the topic of music videos mm-hmm. came up and I was like, "Do you guys know about pop-up Pop-up videos? videos? Yeah. Neither of them had any idea what it was. And so, damn if we didn't watch about, about say, 25 minutes of pop-up video. These on youngins. It was hilarious. Uh, yeah. So, the stadium is different, Scott. But, Scott, different is okay. Different is okay? Different is okay. 
Okay. Different will become the new normal, and you just have to go with it. Okay. It'll be all right. Thanks for talking me through this. It'll be okay. Well, with that, um, let's find out who is okay uh, this week in Fantasy Boss. Yeah, Jake, so uh, that's your music being played. Uh, the last category we had was I chose, we chose Orioles wins versus uh, home runs by Mullins, Mountcastle, and uh, Trey Mancini. Um, and Mullins and Mancini managed to put together five home runs. And then Mountcastle actually had a, another one, so six uh, in the time frame, while the Orioles managed to put together three wins. So, uh, Jake, you won six to three on this basis. I I did not think that was a good idea category going in. Right. But because Fantasy Boss is so close, I wasn't going to look a gift horse, horse in the mouth. Yeah. So it's 6-5. Six, 6-5. Five. Six, five. You, you're up going into the All-Star break. Scotty, this is getting intense. It is getting intense. Although I feel like, you know, I'm just mentioning, because I pulled up these number two, uh, halfway through Fantasy Boss last week, I was actually ahead by one. Mm. Uh, after Jake said, there's no way you're going to win this week, halfway through the week, I was beating the odds in Jake English fashion of just picking random stuff out of the blue and just going with it. So, Jake, whatever category you pick this week, I'm going to go in the Jake English fashion. I'm just going to randomly pick a name out of the hat and just assume that's going to make me win. I've I've got okay. I've got a, a it's binary. Oh, it's okay. either or. Okay, and you get to pick. So I just choose and. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott, yeah, this is All Star Week. Yep, and we're going to have fewer games. Absolutely. So I think we need to do a little prop bet okay. on the All-Star game itself. Oh, okay. So some of it is numeric and some of it is subjective. Okay. And we're just going to go on the honor system for the subjective piece. Okay. My question to you is, Yep. will Cedric Mullins, the Orioles All-Star, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the starting, starting center, center fielder. fielder for the AL All-Star yeah. team, will Cedric Mullins have a hit or a notable defensive play in the All-Star game. And when I say notable offense or defensive play, what I mean is something they go back to for a couple of replays, you know, he lays out diving, he goes over the wall to get something, some a good play, all right? An an outstanding play. So I'm going to say yes. All right, so you're going with the the one and I, I get the zero on the binary thing. Yes. So I think he's going to have a defense play. I don't think he's going to have an offensive play specifically because He's got Aaron Judge in left field, and I think he's going to have to cover a lot of ground. <laughs> you mean uh, you mean All Star Aaron Judge? All Star Aaron Judge. All Star notable left fielder. Notable left fielder. I mean, if uh, he was in a stadium um, that was specifically tailored to his talents, <laughs> uh, he could potentially play a different position. But instead, he's playing left field this evening. Okay, so fantasy boss this week, Cedric Mullins. Will he have a hit or? Um, a defensive a, highlight. A defensive highlight. We'll call it like a web gem yeah. uh, in, in that given aspect. And we'll have to make the determination of what is truly a web gem or not. But I would think it'd be, you know, 
uh, and out above average of at least like 50%, 50 to 60%, somewhere in that ballpark. And and the listeners can help keep us honest, you know, so when you hear this, make sure that you tweet at us. If you see a play on Cedric Mullins, is it a click or not? Correct. Yeah, just put in hashtag fantasy boss and we'll, we'll find it. Um, so again, Jake's up 6-5. We'll figure out uh, if Cedric Mullins truly owns it for the All-Star game. I'm going to be positive. Uh, and we'll come back uh, next week and talk about that. With that, uh, let's find out who's good, who is bad, and who is ugly this week in the world's baseball. That's right. It's time again for the good the bad and the ugly i'm gonna go ahead and get started this week with my good my good is gonna go to domingo leba who uh he's one of the guys who he's one of one of the guys that does the stuff where did we get this guy from mm-hmm. i think he, i think he came from arizona he he did come from arizona the, but the only team that's worse than us but i reiterate my statement where did this guy come from like was it a waiver wire pick was it a yeah i think it was waiver okay because I have no recollection of this guy. Like, he came up, and I was just like... Oh, no. We we picked him up, and I was like, okay. It's it's hilarious, because right now, we have we have games in which there are multiple players whose jersey numbers are in the 80s and the yes. 70s, and I'm like, is this a spring training? Is this, a, is this extended spring training? Like, like, what's going on here? Between McKenna at 65, I, I think uh, Leyva is 75, and then one of the pitchers and uh, Gutierrez are both in the 80s, and I'm like, come on, guys. What's really nice about those spring training games when you're getting people like in the 70s and 80s is uh, the Orioles break out the Yankees jerseys where there's no name on the back of the jersey, mm. and they just have a number, um, but then somebody else wears that number the next day. Anyway, Leyva... I got to tell you, had a good week. He had some at-bats to work with, and he did the most with them. He had a 116 weighted runs created plus hey, and a 341 Woba and didn't stick out like a sore thumb in the field. So, uh, you know, as a guy who's picked up off the waiver wire from one of the worst teams in the league to another, he's, you know, again, doing the whole audition thing as best you can. Doing get, the thing. Get the opportunities that you can. Do the best that you can with them. Uh, hey, good on you. Good on you. Uh, I'm going to go with Cedric Mullins. Again, had a really nice week this week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for the two-week split um, and, and is posting a uh, 159 weighted credit plus. But really, the story is him being named to the All-Star team, him starting in the All-Star game. Uh, I think Cedric Mullins has really been the story of this half season so far. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about him more um, as this week progresses into the bevies. But Cedric Mullins gets my my good for the week. Yeah, and, and we're not supposed to... You know, we're not supposed to look beyond the week, but the whole first half, right? I'm so glad that he's still good. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, there's been ups and downs. But again, he is still posting really good plate discipline, really good numbers. Um, There's a lot to like about Cedric Mullins. And again, it is over a long enough sample size. um, And there is a different approach now with him only batting from the one side where you say, I could see sustained sustained success. Maybe not to this given degree, but if he's a 120, 130 weighted runs credit plus a center fielder with the way he plays center field, yeah, that sounds great. If he regresses from a lock all-star to a guy who belongs in the majors, that's still a coup. Yeah. It's still an absolute steal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just putting in perspective, again, we'll, we'll get to this later in the week, 
but uh, on the season, uh, he has a 3.8 F4 in a half a season. 3.8. Yeah. All Holy right. cow. Like, that's unbelievable. <laughs> no, 100%. All right. My bad for this week is going to go to Anthony Santander, a 36 weighted runs created plus almost 40%, 38.9 K percentage and a 221 Woba. You know, I know that he hasn't been right all season with that ankle. I just, I would love to see much more out of Santander. I, I, I was really, I had bought in for him, into him as a hitter, and uh, it hasn't been the case. So this week he was bad. Yeah, my bad's going to go to an individual that just kind of got back from the injured reserve. Um, and it's Cesar Valdez. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dead fish is just not working anymore. Um, you know, uh, hitters are waiting on it. It's just not fooling anyone. Um, you know, in, you know, just a, a few games, he's got a 22.5 ERA. Um, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, I think Cesar Valdez is probably next on the chopping block uh, to be dropped. And again, that's that's tough for a 36-year-old because he probably is not going to get another chance. Um, but the fact of the matter is he just doesn't have it. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time before a spot is needed um and the Orioles have to fill it um but you know Cesar Valdez isn't long for this team all right my ugly is gonna go to the opener I'm so sick of seeing the opener and I'm not talking about when the Orioles declare that they are going to go with an opener and then a bullpen game I mean Matt Harvey yes (laughs) I am so sick of Matt Harvey opening games and we've talked about the fact that you know we retire people from being ugly and do we need to retire matt harvey from being ugly i say not yet because i need to rage rage against the dying of competent pitching he's a nice guy he's working hard i i wish that he had it but he doesn't have it this week again like previous just ugly just not a good look from Matt Harvey. His start was, uh, let me just, um, let me, let me see. Uh, oh yeah. 3.2 innings pitched. And again, not, not impressive. Didn't, didn't do good work in that time. I, I just, I realize this is a terrible team and that there's nobody bursting from the minors to take that spot. But I, I don't know what else we're doing here. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And my ugly is going to be similar um, you know, Matt Kramer's there pointing this out. Um, and, you know, it's just the starting rotation in general is ugly. You know, for um, the month of June and now going into July, uh, the Orioles starting rotation is 1 in 17, has an ERA of almost 8. Um, and no current Orioles starter has an ERA under 5.95. Oh, opener. No, no Orioles opener. No Orioles opener has a ERA under 5.95. Obviously that'll change when John means is back. Um, but yeah, um, there is no good starting pitching option. I think that is the, again, if people want to look for negatives right now on the team, it's not the aspect of the starting pitching is poor. Um, it's the fact that, you know, we haven't seen the development like we were expecting for certain prospects. A Keegan Aiken is a great example. Um, where you are now kind of saddled with this basis of, who is going to fit into that rotation. Um, and and right now, there is still that looming question mark of John Means, D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez, question mark, question mark. And there still is not a fourth or fifth person that has established himself of saying, this is our fourth starter or our fifth starter going forward. 
So I think the second half of the year is really going to be about that, which is who could potentially be a number four, number five? Is it someone that could potentially come up in August or September and make that? Or is it a matter where the Orioles need to get creative? Um, or is it a situation like we talked about for 2023 where you said buy arms and you're going to go out and buy a fourth or fifth starter on the cheap, similar to what you just tried to do with Matt Harvey and obviously failed doing. <laughs> sure. And, and the other thing about it is that these guys are not hopeless. Which of these guys is going to be the next Brad Brock? Right. You know, that is a hugely, hugely valuable role. Correct. Right? Who, who is, you know, you, you look at a guy like Lopez. I think Jorge Lopez could be an incredibly successful major league pitcher. Maybe not a starter. Correct. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, a lot of these individuals do have that potential to be a Brad Brock, a Zach Britton, um, you know, a Jim Johnson. I mean, there's plenty of opportunity for um, folks to fit into that role in the bullpen. And I would also say, too, we still don't have a closer. I mean, I know it doesn't come up that often, but no one has been able to establish themselves in those high leverage situations as being a closer. Definitely some interesting players in the in the seventh and eighth inning. But no one has been able to come out and be lights out, shut down um, like you need to be for a closer. I don't know. We've had plenty of people close out games. Oh, oh, you mean oh for us? For us? Oh, yes. Oh, not not people who've closed out games that we were participating in. That is correct. Okay, okay. That 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 argument I, does make sense. I should have clarified. You're absolutely right. My apologies. I'm just I'm just not used to the concept. That is correct. All right. Um, I think that's it for good, bad, and the ugly. Why don't we go ahead and get out of here and uh, go ahead and blow the save? So, Jake, I was driving home today, listening to the radio, and, uh, you know, I, I keep hearing this aspect of we're living in this, you know, silent Cold War uh, going about in this world. Uh, and I was listening to the radio, um, and, uh, you know, the thought popped through my head. I was, I was listening to it, um, and, uh, you know, Live and Let Die was playing. And I thought to myself, would Jake English consider Live and Let Die to be the best James Bond theme song? Or is there another James Bond theme song that would pass Sir Paul McCartney as being the best James Bond song? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. All right. It's clearly top three. I, I, I agree with you that is probably top three um i'm gonna say no okay i'm gonna say that live and let die uh a song i love by an artist that i uh adore is not the greatest bond song okay i think uh i think it's goldfinger i think it's goldfinger too i think goldfinger by shirley bassey is probably a better one but while I was listening to uh, Paul and Wings sing, uh, by the way, uh, when we're talking about Paul and Wings, do we just call it Wings or do we have to call it Paul and Wings? As, a, as an aficionado from Paul, how do you feel about this? It depends on if you're trying to sell records. Okay. If you're just talking about the band, it's Wings. Right. If you're trying to put labeling on the records to make them sell, it's Paul McCartney and Wings. Gotcha. But like, shouldn't anybody just know Wings is Paul McCartney? Yes. Okay. Now. 
But in 1972, not so much. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so we're going with Goldfinger is, is obvious is the number one over Live and Let Die. It's ju- I mean it's just campy enough, right, that to put you in the the mood. Uh, but it's also like you know exactly where you what Goldfinger is what is going to happen. Getting what what is Live and Let Die is enough like rock to to it can be on its own is yes. the best way to describe it. Of Live and Let Die could have been on any other movie, but you're not really sure. It's a Bond movie, as it were. Let me let me tell you something. Okay. When people ask me, yes, how are the Orioles doing this season? Yeah, I'm going to answer them with, "We talk about which Bond song is <laughs> superior on our Orioles podcast." Yes, it's the kind of content that you're turning into, <laughs> and that that is our show. Remember that you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com Birds Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com You can find us all over social media. We're at Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, but... The best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeView, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you a fond all-star weekend. Adieu, Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. It's good to see some Orioles representing, like you said, Futures game, home run derby, all-star game. It is not a desert of Ty Wigginton and shame. Wow. Things are looking up? Things are looking. Just looking? You're looking. Okay. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.